What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new podcast called Broad Street Sports Talk. I am your host, Derek Moore, or as some of you might know me, Flylights from Instagram. What this podcast is going to be about is me, me covering the four major sports teams in Philadelphia, the Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, and Phillies, giving you inside analysts, um, giving you inside my insight, um, news, my reaction, I'll occasionally do post games and maybe even previews to some games to like big games to our beloved uh, teams. But what I want to dive into this first episode because we have really no sports right now due to the recent outbreak of the coronavirus, obviously, is basically recap the Eagles offseason and what they did, the moves they made, who they acquired, who they signed, the coaching changes, what kind of impact can they have, what kind of impact can these players have on the team going forward. So with that being said, I want to take a first our first look into, obviously, the coaching changes. It was a pretty abund- uh, It was pretty obvious after the playoff game that the Eagles were probably going to make after the playoff loss, their 17-9 loss after uh, to the Seahawks, that the Eagles were going to make coaching changes to some of the positions. And pretty much after the Miami game, um, I remember, I don't know who exactly was an ESPN reporter, said if the e- barring some forsaken deep playoff run, the Eagles are going to make major coaching changes. Not Doug Peterson necessarily. Obviously, that'd be too silly. Um but they're going to make some coaching changes. Those coaching changes, they made four, obviously, with it being the secondary coach, the offensive coordinator, the receiver coach, and the defensive line coach. So with that being said, I want to start with the most notable one. Um, Mike Rowe, obviously, was fired after spending two years as the Eagles offensive coordinator after taking over the reins from Mike, uh, my uh, Frank Reich, who took the job in Indianapolis and. The 20 off season, uh, two off seasons ago, has done a fantastic job in Indianapolis. But um, what I want to what I want to say about Mike Rowe is he pretty much took one of the best units in, from 2017, made it into one of the worst units statistically the past two years. I know that's pretty much what the I know people might say it's Doug Peterson, it's all that, but Mike Rowe is pretty was pretty bad as an Eagles offensive coordinator. He, the Eagles had one of the worst starting offenses in the league. They had one of the worst point points per game offenses in the league. They were okay in yards, but most of those yards came from passing the ball because they were down uh, late in the game and very late in the game, so they were forced to have an air raid type offense. So that's the most notable one. The second most notable one is Carson Walsh, the re- uh, receiver the receivers, wide receivers coach. Um, he spent one year with Philadelphia. Wasn't uh, two years? No, two years with Philadelphia, I believe. Um, twenty eighteen, I think he took over the reins in twenty nineteen. The unit was slowly regressing the past two years. Nelson Aguilar obviously regressed from twenty seventeen and eight to eighteen and nineteen. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey. Um, I'm not gonna really say he regressed. He just got hurt a bunch. And Deshaun Jackson only wasn't here. Couldn't really develop J.J. Arcega-Whiteside or find a role for him. I know that's mostly the head coach, Doug Peterson and all, but it's far from my point. So, with that being said, next up we have uh, Corey Unlin, the defensive bass coach. He's been here since 2013 with Chip Kelly. Uh, he was left over from his staff, and Doug kept him on his. Um, he went to take the job with Matt Patriska in Detroit. 
Uh, it was unknown if he was fired or he just wanted to take that job. I think the Eagles were going to make a change at that position, the positional that position, uh, that coaching position, no matter what, even if he wasn't going to take that job. And next up, we have Philip uh, Philip Daniels. Um, he just wasn't that great as a defensive line coach. The line obviously was battled by, baffled by injuries early in the year. Fletcher Cox was trying to find his uh, own, but. The, the towards when Fletcher Cox found his own, he was okay, but as a whole unit, the unit wasn't very up to par of what I expected, and probably what the Eagles expected, pouring a lot of resources into that offense, uh, excuse me, defensive line through the draft, through free agency, throwing the bag at that position, and wasn't up to par, if you know what I mean. It wasn't getting after the quarterback like I thought. It was okay. It was still pretty run dominant and all, but... He obviously is now the outs, so let's dive into some of the replacements. Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. A lot of Eagles fans are going to recognize a few names from this list, um, starting with a guy that's obviously been with the Eagles with Chip Kelly on his staff. I think he was a, another one of the leftovers. And the guy that showed was the founder of the Philly Special. He found it through the college ranks and Minnesota Vikings when they ran in 2017. Press Taylor. Obviously, he was a quarterback coach the past few years under Doug. He's been promoted to passing game coordinator. He's going to be responsible for the passing side of the offense. He's going to still continue to reign as the offensive court. Uh, I mean, it's not the, he's not going to take the reins. He's going to continue to reign as the quarterback coach. And Taylor will obviously be responsible for the passing aspect of the Eagles offense. Now, this is very surprising. The Eagles are going into the more non-traditional way. And it's not, I want to say now the non-traditional way because this is becoming the new normal. Teams are now switching to more of um, focusing their resources on certain aspects of their game, like the passing offense. They're not hiring an offensive coordinator. You see that with um, Kyle Shanahan. You see that, I think, with Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think he has an offensive mind, uh, offensive coordinator title on his staff. I might be wrong with that one, but the point is that it's becoming more and more obvious, uh, I mean, more and more common around the league that teams are not having offensive coordinators on their staff. They're just having assistance because after all, this is Doug's offense. This is Doug's baby. He's responsible for it. He's the one that's getting bashed by fans on sports radio. He's the one he's getting bashed by fans on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. He's getting booed. This is his offense. So he wants his. He just wants ideas from these guys. That's all he wants. Next up we have obviously the offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland. He'll be the running game coordinator. If there's one thing I like about Jeff Stoutland, his unit's always ready to play. They're one of the most consistent units in the NFL. Obviously gave up a little bit too many sacks last year, but Carson needs to get rid of the ball. The receivers need to get open. So I know last year, I don't think it was all the Lions' fault. So those are your run game coordinator and your passing game coordinator. Let's head up into some of the assistants still on the offensive side of the ball. We have Rich Scott Neal, senior offense assistant, former Broncos offensive coordinator, coached under Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. And San Francisco had success with Broncos rookie QB Drew Lock. Drew Lock obviously showed a lot of promise. If you follow the NFL outside of the Eagles, I know a lot of my listeners and a lot of my followers probably do right now. Follow a lot of the NFL teams around the league. Um, from what I've been, what, from what I've read amongst, amongst beat reporters and NFL reporters, he's a good scripter. He just failed to maintain success at that thing. He failed to get into a rhythm. He's a good scripter, and that's what the Eagles need. They needed somebody that can script plays, because when the Eagles always got off the fast starts, they 
mostly, most of the time, they won the game. I'll give you a few games they got off to a good start and won the game. The New York Jets got off to, to a good start. Obviously, they got off to a good start versus the Bears. They won. They got off to, to a good start against the Cowboys in Week 16. They won the game. They got off to a decent start versus the Giants in Week 17. They won the game. So when Eagles get off to a good start or a better start or a fast start, they usually win the game, and usually you pretty much do because the Eagles maintain the success. They run the ball. They control the clock last year, and that's what the Eagles need. They need a good scripter. They need a guy like that to organize those kinds of plays for them. Next up on the offensive side of the ball, we have newly acquired wide receivers coach Aaron Moorhead. Obviously, if you're an older um, fan, you might recognize the name. Uh, he played for the Colts with two, from 2003 to 2007. He has been coaching at the collegiate level since 2017. Previously coached at Virginia Tech and Texas A&M, and re most recently Vanderbilt. Um, the Eagles are obviously very high on Aaron Moorhead. Um, he hasn't coached at the NFL level. I kind of wanted somebody with NFL experience, but they got somebody with playing experience. I hope he can develop J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. That would be a big boost for the Eagles themselves. But Jerry's still out on him. I'm not going to get my hopes up. The Eagles have had a rotating door at wide receivers coach the past few years. We went from Greg Lewis and from Doug Staff to Mike Rowe to Carson Walsh the past few years and now him. So we're on our fourth receiving coach in the last five years. That's not pretty. That's not good. They need stability at that position coaching-wise. Next up, we have passing game analyst Andrew Briner. Spent two years at Mississippi State with Joe Moorhead. Uh, if you're a Penn State fan, you recognize the name. Joe Moorhead was obviously the offensive corner at Penn State when their offense was dynamic. He was super creative with motioning, etc. So if Andrew Briner uh, learned a thing or two, maybe he can bring motioning and creativity to this offense itself because that's what the Eagles have lacked. They lacked creativity. They lacked misdirection. They lacked all those things that you see teams like the Rams have done in 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl. The 49ers the past year, the Chiefs, stuff like that. They're creative. If he can bring that to the Eagles, that'd be great. That'd be a big boost. Next up, we have TJ Pagnetti promoted to assistant run game coordinator. Pagnetti was already the assistant running uh, backs coach for the Eagles, helping Jeff Stoutland out. Chip brought him in in 2013. Obviously, when Chip got fired, he went back to Oregon. And then the Eagles were obviously very high on him. I think they wanted to leave him. I think the Eagles wanted him back on Doug's staff, but he took the job back at Oregon. But then he returned to the NFL level in 2017. TJ Pagnetti, I think the Eagles are keeping him in the helms until... Um, Running bats coach out for the Eagles now. TJ Pagnetti can step in that role if Deuce ever leaves. Um, pretty solid name. Don't know a lot about him, but that's what he'll, his title is. Next up, we have Marty Morinwake. A lot of Eagles fans are going to recognize him, this name. 2006 to 2012, he was the Eagles offensive coordinator. He was a solid mind, offensive mind, I guess. I really wasn't a big Morinweg, Marty Morinweg fan. But he's back with the Eagles. Doug trusts him. I trust Doug. Marty Wardenhag uh, worked under, most recently worked under John Harbaugh, for, as first as the quarterbacks coach, then the uh, OC, 
uh, there from 2017 to 2018. Doug brings in a familiar face to help him with game planning and ideas. After all, this Doug trusts Marty. Doug really does. He was Doug's quarterback coach briefly in Green Bay. After all, Doug brings him back. No, I'm not mad. I don't know why some Eagles fans obviously hate and say the Eagles are getting too hell-bent on familiar faces. A very solid mind. I, I'm not mad. Obviously, now, with the offensive coaching structure, Doug's going to need to figure out, a, you know, I really do, but Doug's going to need to find a balance with these guys. Um, let's switch gears to the defensive side of the ball. First up, we have the new defensive line coach, Matt Burke. Matt Burke was obviously brought in last two offseasons ago in 2018. No, yeah, 2018. He was a special. No, this past year he was brought in. 2019, he was brought in as a special assistant to Jim Schwartz. It's not uncommon for people to bring in familiar faces, especially in this type of situation. It's not uncommon for coaches to bring in people that they're familiar with, people that they trust, people that know their scheme. He's been promoted to defensive run game coordinator. Um, obviously, no Juan Castillo type role here. And now he's a defensive line coach. I don't know how he is as it fares as a defensive line coach. I hope I he has a lot of... There's no excuse why he can't get... That line can't be one of the best in the NFL, if not the best. Um... They have a bunch of talent up there. They have Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargave, Malik Jackson, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett. I mean, uh, maybe Vinny Curry will be back. I don't know. He's still a free agent. Then he has Josh Sweat, he had, who had a pretty uh, productive year last year. So basically, he has a lot of talent on that defensive line. There's no excuse why that defensive line cannot have a better year than it did last year. It's going to be very important for the Eagles' success going forward if he can get that line ready to play. And it's very important for that to happen because you win playoff games through that, through the trenches. Next up, we have newly acquired secondary coach, or defensive backs coach, Marcan Manuel. He was previously in Atlanta from 2017 to 2018. He was the Falcon second, secondary coach, obviously. His secondary was always in the middle of the pack there. Obviously, the secondary, the Falcons def secondary wasn't all that bad with Desmond Trufant and Robert Alfred, I think. That, yeah, that's his name. But he's going to provide a big boost for that Eagles secondary. Even if he gets that Eagles secondary into the middle of the pack, statistically and all, that's going to be a big boost for this defense. Because the Eagles defense uh, secondary has been ranked bottom 24 the past few years, outside of their Super Bowl year. That's terrible. And with all these dynamic playmakers in the NFC East and let alone in the NFC they need to fix that secondary massively and we need to develop some of these young kids like Avante Maddox Avante Maddox uh Sidney Jones maybe even Craven LeBlanc I'm I'm not a Craven LeBlanc fan I just think he's a guy you know I don't really think he's anything special but maybe he can help him out but the point is that the Eagles need to get that secondary turn on the Eagles like Aaron Moorhead are very high on Mark Han Manuel to turn that unit around switching gears to the um, other assistants the one last assistant on the defensive side of the ball we have Dino Vasso promoted to assistant coordinator to the defense he joined the Eagles staff in 2016 as a defensive quality control coach and assistant secondary coach there was a lot of rumors about him taking the helm 
from Corey Unlin, but the Eagles decided to bring in a fresh voice, which I love. Um, instead of just handing out promotions, he's held that he was an assistant for over seven years as an assistant to Jim Schwartz. He's had that uh, assist, assistant secondary title for over seven, seven years with the Eagles. And as an assistant to Jim Schwartz, he'll be pre presumably working closer to him. He'll have a little bit more input to compare to some of these defensive coaches, helping Jim with anything he needs, say what you want about him. Um, but not a bad, not a big hire, not a flash hire, but he can provide some input for and help on defense. Now let's go to free agency. Obviously, that the Eagles were very, very active in free agency these past this past year, signing players, signing three pretty notable players in Javon Hargrave, an upcoming defensive lineman, um, Darius Slay, Nikel Roby Coleman, and other guys just basically being death moves. Maybe you can argue Will Parks is more than a death move because they run a lot of three safety sets. So I want to break down some of these players with their accolades, their stats, and the type of impact they can have on the Eagles. Let's start with Javon Hargrave. This past offseason, Javon Hargrave signed a three-year, $39 million, $26 million guaranteed, $10 to $13 million annual contract with the Eagles. At first, I didn't get this signing. I really didn't. A lot of Eagles fans didn't. But it's kind of grown on me because we fixed our other needs besides really receiver, but we're plant. I hope the Eagles fix the receivers through the draft. I expect them to walk away with one or maybe Two or more receivers, hopefully. That's my wish. But Javon Hargrave signing has been growing on me. He was in a 3-4 with the Steelers last year. He put up, the past two years, he's put up 10.5 sacks. He's got 52 tackles. That's 12th among defensive linemen last year. And he's missed only one game since 2017. And obviously, that's very important because the Eagles have had massive injuries to their tackles across from Fletcher Cox. We had Tim Jernigan missed a lot of games these past few years. Malik Jackson missed all of last year besides one game. That was the home opener towards the end of the game. So they're obviously putting a lot of marbles, a lot of importance on being healthy in the trenches. And that's what Javon Hargrave has been, healthy his whole career. Malik Jackson, obviously, was healthy his whole career. Didn't miss a game up until this past year, but, you know, it shit happens. Um, and all. So, Javon Hargrave is going to provide a massive upgrade, switching to a 3-4, to a 4-3, where his job is to get after the quarterback. He's going to have, he's playing against a, he's playing uh, next to one of the best defensive linemen in Fletcher Cox. He's going to get Fletcher Cox on more, less and less double teams to help Cox have a big, bounce back here because last year let's face it cox was still really good but that's towards the end of the year he was he was coming back from that big foot injury he suffered versus the saints in the playoff game a few years in 2018 so javon hargrave is going to provide a big upgrade to that interior defensive line for the eagles i'm very excited over this signing now i can't wait to see what he does the philadelphia defensive line is still going to be a dominant force this upcoming year especially now that we have someone really good across from a young, rising defensive lineman across from Fester Cox. Let's go to our next big name, or the biggest acquisition the Eagles made in cornerback Darius Slay. Obviously, the Eagles were really, really going to spend big money at the cornerback position. Byron Jones was a free agent. Chris Harris was a free agent. 
Uh, Desmond Trufant was released, making him a free agent. So the Eagles had a lot of options. They were in the mix for Byron Jones. Mixed out on that to Miami. I did think they were going to... I did think they were going to throw the money at him. I did think we were going to land him, but turns out he wanted a fresh start out of the NFCs, whatever. Um, Trufant went to the Lions, Darius Slay's former team, and then Chris Harris decided to sign a deal with the Los Angeles Chargers. So the Eagles were the runner-up to Darius Slay. Obviously, the runner-up got, out of all three of those names, got Darius Slay, which isn't a bad, which isn't bad. It's a massive upgrade what they have over the past few years. So Darius, the Eagles traded a third and a fifth round pick for this year in exchange for Darius Slave, who then signed a massive extension with three years, $50 million, $30 million guaranteed. And all, keep making him the highest paid cornerback, at least for on an annual basis. Some accolades for Slake, he was a first-team All-Pro in 2017, made the Pro Bowl three straight years, had eight picks in 2017, only missed three games since 2017, so the Eagles are obviously still putting a lot of emphasis on staying healthy. They really are, and it's a massive must that this team stays healthy. They need to. They really need to get healthier, and that's what they're planning on doing. So, obviously... People have been saying on Twitter, especially opposing fans, have been saying Darius Slay has been having a down year. If the past two years are Darius Slay's down years, or last year was his down year, then sign me up, man, because this is a massive upgrade for the Eagles secondary that has, let's just say, they have sucked, to put it nicely. They've sucked. I know they have had kids and guys like Devontae Bosby starting, guys who were starting the AAF a few years ago, or after the 2018 season in all... They've stunk. You know, we have had Corey Grahams back there. We have had all kinds of massive names out there. People that's been on the practice squad that were caught up. Guys that even took, didn't even play one game for the Eagles prior were stepping in in 2018 and 19 sometimes. It was unbelievable. So the Eagles get a reliable cornerback. And these are some, I'll go down some stats for you guys that against key names that a lot of you are going to recognize inside the NFCs. Darius Lay, we're in a division where we have Amari Cooper, Terry McLaurin, Darius Slayton, Michael Gallup, all those names, versus Amari Cooper, two games, 12 targets, four catches, 42 yards, no touchdowns. That's Darius Slay's career versus Amari Cooper. Now, before you jump in my thing, he's like, before you jump at me or attack me, whoever's listening to us, my friends, my family, my followers, I'm not saying that Darius Slay is going to lock up Amari Cooper like he always does. I'm not saying that. But this is just a massive upgrade over what the Eagles have been getting versus Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper has torched the Eagles. Annually, Amari Cooper has put up four touchdowns against the Eagles, 98 yards, Average against the Eagles. 11 yards after catch versus the Eagles. Against the Eagles. That's horrible. The Eagles have been getting torched by Amari Cooper. I can think of a lot of games that we've gotten torched. Remember the Christmas game versus the Raiders a few years back? Jalen Mills gets beat versus Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper goes in and ties the game. 7-7 for the Raiders. Who remembers the no-clear recovery game? 
Amari Cooper had a big second half. He had three touchdowns. One against Sidney Jones. One where one where Devontae Bosme and Corey Graham clashed into each other, and then it was almost a go-ahead touchdown for the Cowboys. So Amari Cooper versus Darius Slay is going to be very fun to watch. It's a massive upgrade compared to the Eagles have had the past two years versus Amari Cooper. And this past year, he's torched, he torched the Eagles too, except in the second game versus the uh, Cowboys. Massive upgrade for Amari Cooper. Now let's switch gears to the Redskins. Terry McLaurin versus Terry McLaurin versus the Eagles. Slay versus Terry McLaurin. Five receptions, 72 yards, no touchdowns. That's not bad. That's not good. That's pretty. That's pretty. I mean, that's not bad. That's not good. It's okay, but it's better what the Eagles have did. Um, first game against the Eagles. Terry McLaurin's rookie year. Uh, rookie year. Five catches, 125 yards, one touchdown. McLaurin beat. If you guys remember this, McLaurin got behind the Eagles defense in second time in that first game against the Eagles. Keenum overthrown him. So his stats don't tell. The whole side of the story of that game. McLaurin was raping the Eagles. He could have had two deep 60-yard-plus touchdowns against the Eagles, but Keenum overthrew him. McLaurin. Maybe could even change the perplexity of that game. So McLaurin obviously has toasted the Eagles, especially in that first one. In the second game, five catches, 130 yards, and one TD versus the Eagles. He obviously had that big one where two guys crashed into each other and then it sprung McLaurin loose for the Redskins. So obviously Slay is going to provide a big impact for that Eagles secondary forum. So next up, that's Darius Slay. Next up, we have a more of a sort of death move. Jatavius Brown signed a one-year $2 million with dollar versus the, uh, with the Eagles. He think of he's a pretty good special teamer. He's a good death piece to have right now. Um, nothing major doesn't really stick out on the stat sheet. More so a depth guy. Spent the uh, past few years with the Chargers. Um, Eagles needed a guy to fill that Camus role. Jadavius Brown can do that. They let Camus walk, obviously. Um, so that's just nothing really special. I want the Eagles still to invest a uh, draft pick into the linebacker position. Next, next up, we have safety Will Parks on a one-year, $1.6 million deal. He had better offers from the Lions and the Vikings, but he chose to come back home to Pennsylvania, where he's really originally from. This is a pretty good signing, solid signing. Eagles run a lot of three safety sets because they like they like to have a linebacker down low. That's what this, this signing is allowing him to do. It's allowed to have. He could be the guy that plays down low that Malcolm Jenkins used to do a lot. Play more of his snaps down at linebacker. Statistically, it's going to allow the Eagles to continue to doing that. Will Parks is a solid player. Nothing against him. Very good player in some aspects. But he has also some non-aspects that doesn't make him an elite player. Solid signing. It allows the Eagles to continue three safety sets when they don't have a value the linebacker positions like most teams really obviously do. Next up, we have Nikhil Roby Coleman. A lot of you are going to recognize this name. He was the guy that hit, the, who had the pass interference call, no call, I mean, against the Saints in the NFC Championship game a few years back. Some stats. In 2018, he had an 80.7 coverage grade. In coverage grade in 2017 and 18, he had, had .75 yards per snap, second best in that span. And he was... He's regarded as one of the uh, better 
slot corners. Obviously, bigger big impact for the Eagles there. I really didn't see the signing coming. We got released by the Rams because the Rams are strapped for cap space. They need to get cheaper. They need to obviously start hitting on a lot of their picks. How we swooped in says we'll take him, and he got a one, got him on a one year deal. Very solid player. Hopefully he can reset his market and provide a big impact. Hopefully he can provide an impact in the Eagles secondary like Darius Slay can. But very solid player. Jim, I think he was with Jim Swartz in his Buffalo days. But I have to double check that. But Nicole Robert Coleman, solid player. I have nothing against him. Good signing. Nothing to get all jump for joy, but solid signing. Let's switch gears into the notable losses the Eagles have sustained this free agency. Let's start with Malcolm Jenkins. Nothing can be said of what kind of impact Malcolm Jenkins had on this Eagles team. Past few years, you saw guys like Stefan Wisniewski, who got his he missed out on his extensive bonus by uh, one game. The Eagles gave it to him anyway because we won the Super Bowl. He was one of those key uh, starting left guards for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. Nick Foles missed out by his incentive bonus by one snap. The Eagles gave it to him. Alshon Jeffrey got a new deal. Carson Wentz got a new deal. Um, Nigel Bradham got a new deal. Got paid. You're noticing a pattern with the Eagles right now. They've took care of every one of those guys on that Super Bowl team, most of those guys, but they didn't give any love to Malcolm Jenkins. I thought the Eagles were going to do that. I know how he said he wanted to get younger and he didn't want to invest a lot of resources into big uh, older players, but like really, I really wanted the Eagles to pay Malcolm Jenkins. He's been a brick wall back there. He's played special team snaps. He's played 100% of the defensive snaps these past few years, past three years. He's played 98, 99.8% of the snaps in his Philadelphia tenure. That's incredible. And he never missed a game. And the Eagles don't pay him? Are you serious? Just thinking about it now just really makes me irritated that the Eagles didn't pay him. I understand why they didn't, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. Every A lot of those players on that Super Bowl team got paid by the Eagles, and there's no love for one of the biggest contributors? Come on now. People need to realize that. That's why I'm mad about this. But, you know, he signed a, he signed a new deal with the Saints. He goes back home where he was really was drafted. Malcolm, thanks for your attributes. You were a leader for this team, one of the big leaders for this team. You helped keep that locker room together in 2017 once Wentz went down. You're a great player, Malcolm. Uh, you'll be missed. Next up, we have Kamugurja Hill. Signed a deal with the Dolphins. He was okay. Man, the guy lied about having a concussion when he was being tested for one against the Dolphins. Went back in anyway. That's not a good look for the Eagles or Camus. But, I mean, nothing really. Not, not a big loss. Not a good, okay, big loss. <laughs> the point is, it's not going to be a big loss. We, you, there's a Camus grudge hell that comes along every, every few years. Thanks for 27, King Camus, but whatever. Next up, we have <laughs> Ronald Darby. Obviously, Ronald Darby was traded here in Philadelphia in 2017 for a third-round pick. And Jordan Matthews in exchange for Ronald Darby. Darby obviously got hurt, was hurt a lot of his time here in Philadelphia. Most of the time hurt or getting burnt. Hurt and burnt. That's pretty much Ronald Darby's tenure in Philadelphia. Hurt and burnt. 
Now, he signed a one-year deal worth $4 million with the Redskins. Thanks for 2017, Darby. Looking forward to seeing you twice a year now. Best of luck to you in Washington, except when you play us, obviously. But see it, sign art, Darby. Next up, we have Tim Jernigan. I'm going to miss Tim Jernigan. I really do. I'm going to miss him. I miss, I'm going to miss his swagger. That's what I'm going to miss. And he was pretty okay. He was okay at defense line tackle. Biggest reason why he's not back with the Eagles is because he couldn't stay healthy. Obviously, he had the back issue that we don't know how, when he sustained it, how he sustained it, if it was play-related, if it's off-season related. Every time he, reporters say, every time they asked him about it, he could have been the best day of his life. And then as soon as he could be smiling ear to ear, and then as soon as you ask him about it, he just like had a big-ass grin on his face. Like, what are you asking me this for? But Tim Jernigan got hurt in 2018, well, was hurt in 2018, didn't come back until week 13 or week 12. Played like six games that year, including the playoffs. Following year, he got hurt versus the Falcons on Sunday Night Football. Didn't come back until late in the season. So Tim Jernigan passed two, two, besides 2017, he didn't really see the field too often. I wasn't going to pay big bucks or resign him for that. And next up, we're going to have Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, you'll be missed. You had such a weird career in Philadelphia, one year in Philadelphia. I wish the Eagles gave you another fair shot, but I'm not the GM. I'm not Howie Roseman. But obviously, he was traded here last offseason. Um, he had a weird career in Philadelphia. I'll quickly break down the, his thing with you. Week one, he wasn't really used. Week two, wasn't really used. Week three, was used a little bit more. Because they needed to run the ball a little bit more with the, uh, Deshaun and Alshon being out. Week four, he had the best game of his Eagle career. I think he had like three or four touchdowns against the Packers. Week five, he had okay. He was okay versus the Jets. But everybody everybody was beating the Jets last off season, last season. Week six versus the Vikings, they had abandoned the run. Week seven versus the Cowboys, had abandoned the run. Week uh, eight versus the Bills. It was more of a Miles Sanders game, but Jordan Howard still played a big part. And that week nine versus his former team, he was dynamic. He was very good, but he had that stinger at the end of the game. Missed up until week 17 versus the Giants. Didn't really see the playing field. Played one, played one snap versus them. And then versus the Seahawks, he really didn't see the field either. It's like, why didn't he see the field versus the Seahawks when Miles Sanders had an ankle injury? I know we had Boston Scott and all, but you got to have Howard see the field versus the Seahawks too. But Howard had, like, three, four good games against with the Eagles. I wish he was here. I think the Eagles are going to miss his one or two tough yard gains. But uh, best of luck to you and Camus down in Miami. Next up, we have Big V, who signed a five-year, $50 million deal to be the, I don't know what side he's going to be playing on for the Lions. I know he's going to be starting, most likely, because that's starting tackle money. But Big V had a pretty decent career in Philadelphia. He was drafted here in 2017, uh, 2016, so my apologies. He got, obviously, Molly Wapped versus in his first start against Ryan Kerrigan, who was very good at the time. Then he was okay after that. It wasn't anything special and all. 2017, he steps in versus, for Jason Peters. Obviously, he was going on to win the Super Bowl. And then he was filling that swing tackle. He played left tackle. He played right tackle. Then he played good. He even took preseason snaps at guard because we didn't know if Brandon, when Brandon Brooks was going to be back. So Vitae basically almost did it all at 
in, in his tenure in Philadelphia. I'm going to miss Vitae. Eagles are going to need to address that swing tackle and like swing tackle in the draft or sooner, hopefully soon, maybe in free agency they could pick up a name, but there's not really any names out there anymore. And next up, we have the legend, the myth, Nelson Aguilar. Just kidding. That was supposed to make you laugh. Uh, Nelson was drafted here in 2015. 2015, rookie, whatever. People said that Chip didn't use him. All right, whatever. 2016, couldn't catch a cold. He There was a point where, like, he was just in his own head. And I was really, you saw it in, like, late October, November in 2016, where he was just frustrated with himself. He didn't trust himself. He couldn't make a play and all. And even when he, Doug gave him, even benched him almost. He took, gave him a game off because he was just out of his own and all. But Igor obviously was a big contributor to that Super Bowl team. If you don't think so, unfollow me on Instagram. Don't listen to this. He was a big part of that 2017 team. He had four cat over 85 yards in the Super Bowl. He had three big catches on that game-winning drive to Zach Ertz. The go-ahead touchdown to Zach Ertz. He had three big catches on that drive. Two of which, I believe, are were on third down. Nelson, I know all Eagles fans gave you flack, and especially I did too. But best of luck to you in Las Vegas with the Raiders. I hope maybe you find your own there. I hope. And it's good to see you get paid another contract. But sayonara, bro. Thanks for your contribute to that team. And that's really it for the Eagles' notable losses. Now, unsigned, we still have Nigel Bradham, Josh McCown, Jason Peters, and Vinnie Curry, all of which are still free agents. Nigel Bradham's drawing interest from the Browns, obviously, with Andrew Barry taking the, who was once the Eagles, I think, VP, vice president. Yeah, VP of something. His, he was the vice president of some department. He has interest in a former player for the Eagles. Vinnie Curry has interest from, I believe, from the Jets. Jason Peters. Had interest from a few teams. Josh McCown, too old. Want to bring him back. I don't think anybody has interest in him. And I want to bring him back. There's only really two names on this list I would bring back on the unsigned. Nigel Bradham and Vinnie Curry I'd bring back. One, we need more defensive ends. Vinnie Curry was arguably the Eagles' best defensive uh, end last year. And then we still need linebackers and, and Nigel Bradham. Nigel Bradham familiar with the system and all. So... With that being said, those are the two names I'd be back. But other than them, I wouldn't bring back anybody on this list, especially Josh McCown and Jason Peters. And all, I wouldn't bring those two back at all. We need to get younger. I want a young backup coming in here. Like if he's in his 30s, I don't want Josh McCown back at all. Maybe he has a coaching role or some type of role like that, but that's it. But with that being said, those are the two names I'd be back, obviously. So that's, this concludes my first episode of Broad Street Sports Talk with Derek Moore or Flylights, as a lot of people know me on Instagram. Please um, continue to stay safe out there during the coronavirus and pandemic. Thank you to all the healthcare workers, all the grocery store collectors. If you're essential, all the essential workers, just a thank you. Thank you for your um bravery thank you for helping us get through this while a lot of us are stuck in our house going crazy i know a lot of us have complained but at least we are able to stay home thank you to those people um, my next episode hopefully will be sometime this week it's going to be more very draft heavy 
I'll dive into some of the Eagles' needs, scenar possible scenarios, a lot of the draft rumors out there. Hopefully, there's more by the time I record my next episode. But be on the lookout for that episode probably by today's Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Um, maybe I'll drop that episode Sunday or Monday, and then you guys can listen to that. Hopefully, we have the maybe there would be a trade up for some players by then, or a notable trade trade I can cover for that, but other than that, guys, thanks for the listen. If you're still listening, thank you for the listen. I'll see you guys hopefully soon. Bye.